Hello, everyone. My name is Wes Bush, and I'm here with Ramley, who is my co-host on the Product Lab Podcast. And so today we have a super exciting episode about product-led metrics. Specifically, what are those things you need to pay attention to and monitor in your business? And so, Ramley, why don't just go through what your top takeaways were from this series? Yeah, I think one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten from Alan is that it's so important to measure every part of the engagement of the trial period. So he was talking about like people who signed up and then returned within the seven days the stickiness of people who come back and show engagement. And that leads to like product qualified leads, right? Like people who are actually using your product and they're kind of raising their hands up and saying, yes, I'm interested. Yes, I'm using this product. And they're probably more likely for your customer success or sales team to reach out to versus somebody who signs up once and leaves. So how about you, Wes? What, what was your takeaway from this episode? Yeah, so my main takeaway from this episode was whenever it comes to data or any metrics, there's three things you really need to do. First one is visualize that data. You want to make sure it's something you can see easily, hopefully every day in your business so you can keep it top of mind. Second part is being able to segment that data. For instance, Alan gave a ton of examples of even just some simple things like looking at the data from the lens of where are people signing up? What locations are they from? Mm. They can tell you totally different stories. So segmentation has to be a core component of any data set you're looking at. The last part is comparing it. So how are you doing versus the previous month? Are you actually seeing meaningful progress? And then maybe comparing that to the last year. And so if you really want to get good at understanding your business, you need to be able to visualize your metrics, segment, and compare it to understand that full story of your business. So I have a feeling you're going to really enjoy this episode and you're going to learn a lot of metrics that you probably should be tracking in your product-led business. So stay tuned and I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product-Led Summit. So I am Wes Bush, author of the book on product-led growth. And today I have my co-host with me, Ramley. And today we are going to dissect how Alan leads Clipfolio and really looks through things from a metrics perspective, since that is really what their their whole business is about. They help people understand their business metrics. So I thought it would be really interesting to learn from Alan around how do they use metrics to grow their product-led business. And so Alan, for those that don't know you, want to just give uh, a little bit more of a background around yourself and why you started Clipfolio? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we've been we've been in business for a long time. So, we're a SaaS company. We're focused on helping small and mid-sized businesses really succeed with the data that they have. So, looking at all the information and and trying to make faster and better decisions. And, and a lot of small and mid-sized companies still today struggle with that, or they're using Excel. So, we're really trying to automate that, visualize it, make sure that they really have the best information possible so that they can make the right decisions. And we've got about you know, 11,000 customers around the world, which is awesome. You know, I, I love them all. And you know, data is something and visualization is something that's been close to my heart for a very, very long time. So this is a topic that I could probably talk to all day long, right? Perfect. And I guess for people that aren't familiar with Clipfolio, why don't you just give us a little bit more of a background around like what is it, what is the tool, and how people can use it? Yeah, for sure. So we're a, a dashboarding tool. Uh, so what happens is that 
Uh, our customers will bring in data from Google Analytics, from HubSpot, from Salesforce, from Facebook ads, and really try to, to bring that data in so that they can visualize the performance. So taking a look at you know how things are trending, if there's certain ratios or conversion rates that are outside of the norm, and really tracking their performance so that when it comes time to making the next decision, they can make that with greater confidence, make that faster, and basically learn from what's happening in their business today. So our customers really span the entire breadth of you know, every single department, but we have a lot of folks using it for marketing performance, for sales performance, uh, and then sort of general kind of, what is the business, what is the SaaS business doing? Uh, and we actually do have a lot of product-led companies as well. So my talk here is probably going to be a little bit more focused on a product-led uh, focus, but you'll probably see some uh, examples of dashboards that we use and dashboards that our customers use uh, that may be slightly outside of that. All right, perfect. So for the next part, I just want to dig into like what are some of those key metrics you look for for every single team in a product-led company? Can you just walk us through what you put together and share with people? Like, What are some of those metrics we need to track for every team? Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we get into that? And mm-hmm. you know, maybe first, just to sort of High level set the scene. You know, since we're talking to product led companies, um, you know, product for us is the primary way and, and probably for you as well that you not only acquire, but also expand, you know, make them successful and then retain your customers. And what's amazing about today's world is that every single click, every single behavior, everything that your customers do, your salespeople do, your marketing engine does in tracked. And that's data. And that's data that can be used. You can use that to compare. You can look at benchmarks. So all of that stuff is an opportunity to learn and then make better decisions in the future. So I've got a, a couple of departments that I want to go through. But before we do that, just a, a few really, really high-level fundamentals on even how you use data, right? Because if you just have raw data, you're just looking at numbers. And that data may be categorized, it may be grouped, it may be completely raw and meaningless. So I think there's three things that I like to make sure that everybody's thinking about. So first of all, make sure that you visualize your data, right? So you know, is it data that exists over a time frame? So make sure that you have it as a series or a bar chart over time. You know, or do you need to somehow segment it, right? So Oftentimes, if you look at your data in aggregate, it's not going to tell you the precise story. Do small customers, mid-sized customers, and large customers behave the same way? Do they have the same you know, average MRR? Are they churning at different rates? So segmenting your customers and really understanding which ones are performing or failing is really, really important. And then the third one is compare, right? So if you can do that, if you can visualize, if you can segment it, you want to compare that either to past historic performance, and that may be last month, it may be last quarter, or maybe last year. So seasonality may come, come into play, but you may also want to compare it to similar other companies. So if there's a ratio that is an industry standard, you may want to say, well, how does our company, you know, a 100-person company, compare to a company that is similar to that? So keep those three things in mind. When you're looking and, and maybe even choosing a dashboard or looking at any kind of analytics. So why don't we get into it? And I've got a few departments that I want to go over. We're going to start with general and admin. And I'm going to sort of fall back to our, our company here. And, and I've put together a bunch of dashboards as well using some fake data. 
most companies will have general admin organized as sort of finance, legal, biz ops, HR, and admin itself. So I'm going to focus in on finance and in on HR for the two first examples. And finance is fairly traditional. Uh, even within a product first or a recurring revenue business, finance still has to report in a certain way. There are certain rules that they have to abide by. So I think this is probably one of the more conservative or one of the more traditional departments where the metrics are going to be probably fairly similar you know, across companies that are even outside of a recurring revenue business or outside of the product first business. So the three big ones for finance are revenue, cash, and then some kind of combination of either burn or earnings. So depending on where you are in the stage of company. And then when we look at HR, we're going to look at basically engagement metrics, retention metrics, and then some kind of employee performance metrics as well. So why don't we have a look at the first example here? So this is a traditional finance dashboard, and you'll see a few things. So as I mentioned, revenue is going to be a big part of that. And we're not talking about recurring, monthly recurring revenue. That's something else. That's a non-GAAP metric. That's something else that a different team might be, might be looking at. But typically, finance will look at, you know, gap revenue, you know, so this is uh, revenue that can be recognized. And they look at it, you know, as a growth number. They look at it as a net number. And then again, as I mentioned in the top right-hand corner, typically, we'll look at it as well in a segmented manner, right? So this company here, you can see that they're doing about 492K in direct uh, revenue, and they're doing about 265K in partner revenue. And you can see, again, I'm using those first principles. Not only am I visualizing that, but I'm also comparing it. So for both of those sides, so the way the fake data worked out, we both have 80% growth over last year. So this is a high-growing business. It's growing very quickly, and you want to be able to make sure that you can segment that data as well. Cash is another one that you'll want to sort of monitor over time. Uh, so it looks like sort of mid-year, maybe some sort of financing or a debt instrument came into play. So the cash went up and it's, it's starting to decline again. And then you get into some of the other um, uh, metrics like burn, net burn, and gross burn. So you want to monitor both of those things. So as a finance team, those things are really, really important. How often or how quickly are you consuming your cash? Or if you're profitable, how much cash are you actually throwing off? So in this example, this company is growing quickly, but it's also burning cash as well. So there's those numbers down at the bottom. Again, we're looking at them comparatively you know, to last year. And the one sort of product first metric that I do want to throw in here is months to recover CAC. And the reason I put it here on the finance side, and it's one of the, the ones that is not going to be seen in a non-product first company or a non-MRR company, months to recover CAC is really something that a finance team should be looking at. Because this is how quickly can you get cash in the door. So, and that matters because if you're a cash-strapped startup and you're looking for funding, or if you're, you know, growing organically, the amount of time that you can reduce that cash in the bank is really something that the finance team should be tracking at all costs. So, this is this is a traditional finance dashboard. I'm going to move on to an HR dashboard as well. This one's really interesting because a lot of companies actually only start tracking HR metrics way too late in the game. You know, and certainly I've, I've been at fault for that, but it's one of the most important things that you should be tracking way earlier. You know, at the end of the day, one of the things that you realize once you've grown a company past maybe 30 or 40 people is that people really are probably the most important amplifier 
and being able to, to look at that and look at employee health uh, and engagement and retention is something that really uh, the executive team should be looking at. So again, here we've got a number of HR metrics. They're a little bit more on the financial side, but we're taking a look at you know, the total number of full-time equivalents. Uh, we're taking a look at employer retention. So we can see that we're roughly the same as we were about 12 months ago, but it's increasing. So, you know, 96%. So if we're a hundred person company, that means that we lost about four people, you know, they went somewhere else. And then we're looking at these two financial metrics as well. So full-time equivalent efficiency. So for those that don't know that term, full-time equivalent is a nice number because it sort of normalizes not only full-time employees, but also if you have a part-time employee, it adds them up. So an FTE number is a much easier number to calculate with. So if you have a half-time employee, you count them as 0.5. So if you have four part-timers that are putting in a half a week, you get two employees out of that. So that's a nice normalized way to sort of calculate. And typically, you're going to start calculating revenue per full-time equivalent, and then expenses per full-time equivalent. And this is actually one of those metrics that is comparable outside of your company. So as the company grows and increases in profitability, you want to get that revenue per full-time equivalent to 200, maybe even 300K per employee. And if you look at this, you can look this up on Google, but you can see some of the, the numbers out there from equivalent companies or some of the larger companies. And some of these revenue numbers per employer are really quite amazing. So this is a nice number sort of tracking this over time. And eventually you want those numbers to cross as well, of course. So you want to have more revenue per employee than expenses per employee. And just to clarify for the audience, is like the revenue for full-time equivalent kind of the same thing as revenue per employee, just with a different name on it? No. So, well, it could be. And this is where I think... Metrics need to be precise, right? Because revenue yeah. per employee is not precise. And then in, in that, what does employee mean? How do you define employee? Is mm-hmm. employee just full-time? Is it, does it include students, part-time, contractors? And this is why the full-time equivalent number is such a beautiful number to sort of then work with. So I encourage companies to standardize on that number. Now, you want to break it down as well. So in that FTE number, you want to say, well, you know, 90% are full-time you know, 5% are part-time, then we've got students and contractors, et cetera. So again, always segment that number, but from a holistic mm-hmm. point of view, that FTE number is a really nice one to, to, to work with. The other one that always gets a lot of attention is, you know, what percentage of revenue uh, is R&D consuming or what percentage are you spending on sales and marketing? And I think even though this is really, an, it's an interesting number and there's a lot been written about it, you can have companies that vary tremendously. So if you look at Atlassian, for example, mm-hmm. uh, Atlassian is famous for spending very little on sales and marketing uh, as a percentage of revenue, but a lot on R&D. And certainly they had some tremendous success. If you look at Salesforce, you know they almost have the exact opposite. So they spend much more on sales and marketing. So I think there's no right or wrong here, but you want to track those numbers and make sure that it aligns meaningfully to how you're selling, how complex your business is uh, or your product is, and make sure that, again, you're tracking that over time. But I've also seen people get into difficulty as they compare those numbers, especially with the board. And you know, there's certain norms that don't always work from one company to another company. So let's move over to success. So Success, the way we define it, includes uh, sales, it includes support, and it also includes professional services for us. And sales is both 
uh, account acquisition, but also on the retention side. And what I'd like to do is, is sort of focus in on those two departments. So first of all, the acquisition team, and then the customer retention or the account management team. Uh, I've heard it you know, by, by two different names. So for the acquisition team, it's really all about wins. New customer logos, new MRR, that win number is the most important thing. And, you know, most teams that I go to, you know, when we're talking about acquisition, they've got their monitors up on the screen, their TVs up on the screen, and they really make a big deal about, you know, these are the wins today. This is the MRR today. This is the average today as well. And then there's usually uh, some sort of an efficiency or that sort of gets into, you know, what is the CAC uh, on the sales side? So that efficiency metric is important to look at as well. On the account management side, and this becomes important as your customer base grows, because everybody knows that if you don't have a handle on the net dollar retention or churn, eventually that line is going to cross and you're going to basically stall your business. So account management is all about engagement. So the health of the customer, expansion, uh, LTV, and then, of course, retention of those customers as well. So why don't we have a look at the first dashboard here? So this is what I would consider a fairly typical acquisition team dashboard. And by the way, I should probably mention one of the things that I've done in these examples is I've put a set of team objectives in the top left-hand corner. So we're big fans of OKRs here. And I really think it's, it's one of those things that really helps focus a team on, well, we're measuring all these things, but what are we really trying to do? What's the purpose? And I think if you have these clear objectives that are pulling people back to what is most important, I think it's really important to have those front and center so people can always reference them. So you're inside of a sales team, an acquisition team. As I said, you know, right up top, you know, we've got wins today. We've got new MRR today. You know, we've got average new MRR today. And again, you're tracking those, you know, in a very competitive setting. So you want to create a setting where people are really looking at what's happening on a daily basis or a weekly basis. And this will matter, this will differ a little bit if you have a high volume business or more of a lower volume but higher MRR business. But typically every sales team is looking at these numbers on some sort of periodicity. So outside of those top three numbers, you know, you're tracking new wins over time. Are there any trends? You're taking a look at this average new MRR. And one of the things that I want to point out, and this is just the way the fake data kind of worked, but it actually ended up being kind of interesting. If you take a look at the segment of average new MRR and the green line, you can see that that's trending up quite nicely. So green means it's true. It's, so the partner channel is true. So we're getting from partners, we're getting new higher average MRR. So you may say, hey, listen, let's call it a day. We've won that battle. That's, you know, a good job done. But then take a look at the new MRR line and the green. So what's happening is that even though average new MRR is going up, it's actually downplaying, it's actually hurting or harming your net MRR from the partner channel. So really segmenting and looking at those things as you know holistically is really, really important. And again, this is why you really need to visualize your data and understand what are the things that are happening under the hood. A couple of other metrics down at the bottom, we like to look at you know, percentage onboarded. So this is something that we say the acquisition team, that's their responsibility. Sometimes onboarding goes into the, um, there's a first 90 day team or a retention team. 
But for our team, you know, onboarding is something that the acquisition team has to do. And we know that it's linked to customer success. So we track that one fairly closer. And then there's other sort of statistical things that your company or you know may or may not want to look at. So average MRR by top geos. So you can see that what's interesting is that the Netherlands has higher average MRR for deals that are closing within the first 15 days. So if you didn't visualize it in this way, that would actually be a fairly difficult insight to get out of your data. So again, playing with the data and exploring the data, I think is really important. And then days to close, I said there's usually some sort of an efficiency metric. You want to make sure that you're not impacting your cost of sale or your CAC by closing something that isn't profitable. So monitoring you know, the days to close for efficiency is an important thing as well. So some sort of a, a quality or cost metric on how much it's costing you to sell into these customers. Just a question about that, Alan, about yeah. onboarded. I'm really curious how your team defines that because you know several other teams have different definition of you know, when is it clearly like this user has been onboarded. Yeah, so when we get into the product metrics, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about engagement. For this team, what this means, and again, I mean, this is fake data, but I can tell you in our company, onboarded means they have had a new customer within the first 30 days book a 30-minute onboarding call, and they've completed mm. that. So if they've done those things, they get a check mark. that customer has been onboarded. So we track that, and you know we try to get somewhere in the 30 to 40% onboarded percentage. So let's have a quick look at retention as well. So again, there's some objectives as far as retention goes. I think the name of the game here is you want to get to a point where your base has got positive net dollar retention. And I actually almost went in here and sort of modified the data because as the data worked out, over all of my segments, I had net dollar retention that wasn't 100% or more. So this company has some work to do. They've got to either find product market fit or they've got to change their processes or change the way they upgrade customers. But if you look down at the bottom, for a retention team, the total logo retention and the total net dollar retention are probably the two most important metrics. And again, what we've done is we've segmented that by direct and then by partner as well. And you can see a couple of other metrics as well. So we're tracking total accounts. Usually what we might do as well is we might also look at, you know, which customers are active. So are there some engagement concerns that we have within a certain segment? And we actually see that metric on the product side as well. So some of these retention team members may also be looking at some of the metrics that the product team is looking at. NPS is another one that is sort of an early warning sign. What I would probably say is this is an interesting visualization, but it's much more important to sort of drill into that and try to figure out, well, which customers, you know, how old are they, which segments, which geos, what connectors are they connecting with? So how are they using your product? So use that NPS as a way to combat early churn. So a retention team would be looking at this kind of data, you know, almost all the time and really trying to impact those, you know, with the way they engage and working with product very, very closely. All right. So let's get into product. This one actually has a lot, especially for a product led company. Uh, there's so much that happens inside of the product and there's almost, I couldn't cover it all, but I'm trying to sort of pull out, you know, some of the most important metrics as well. So for product, just again, from a definition point of view, 
you know, we consider that as product management, UX, uh, development, QA, and then uh, server reliability or SRE engineering. And if I take a look at the most important metrics that all of these teams will be looking at, we're taking a look at trial engagement. So how early can we see if the changes that we're making in product, or can we A-B test trial engagement? So trial engagement is one of those things that is so early on that you know can very quickly give you a sense of a certain flow or a certain UX journey is working or it isn't. Conversion, of course. So you know, are they actually are they seeing value in converting to a paid? Uh, Ninety-day retention is another one of those beautiful sort of quick uh, indicators of product success. Total active users. So we want to make sure that that's growing. Again, some sort of an engagement or NPS. And we actually look at NPS as a 30, uh, 60, 90 day NPS. And then I think we actually do a, a 360, uh, 365 one as well. So again, segmenting that and then further segmenting it by geo or by channel is important as well. And then some sort of a quality metric is important too. So if the site goes down, uh, if the reliability of the site goes down, then obviously that's going to impact your, your metrics as well. So let's have a look at this. Again, there's objectives. And let's start with sort of trial engagement and conversion. So all of these metrics are meaningful to our company. And I think they're, in most cases, meaningful to a lot of other companies. But I encourage folks to really dive in and figure out what are the things that really matter to your company. So I'll give you an example. We actually developed a metric called True Trial. And a true trial is defined as somebody who starts a trial and actually comes back a second time within the first seven days. And that's a, it's a nice, crisp definition that, again, allows us to track engagement precisely within the first seven days. And that's always, always what a product team or a UX team is trying to understand. How do we really learn as quickly as possible if some of the changes that we're making are actually having an impact? So a true trial for us has actually been a really important metric to understand, you know, in A-B tests, you know, how are we doing on certain new flows or certain new features? And for that too, like what made you choose seven days? Because I know the folks at Deputy, they have the same kind of metric they, they track is how are people activating that first seven days? So it's common for a lot of product-led companies, but like what's your reasoning behind seven days? I actually think you could choose, like when I was talking to uh, the UX team at Intuit, they actually have a metric for the first five minutes. Wow. You know, so what success rate, you know, what happens inside of those first five minutes? Because if you take a look at the curve, like the decay rate is tremendous, mm -hmm. right? So can we actually influence those first five minutes and get some wow events? So I think for us, it was probably a matter of, do we have statistically the right sample size? And is this time period right? Like, do we have 80% of, of meaningful activity happening within, you know, a certain time frame? So I think it's a really good question. I think you need to look at, you know, do we have the right sample size so that we can be accurate with our number? Mm -hmm. And what are we trying to do? Like, we could have a, a number, like a first day metric as well. We could have a seven day metric as well. And we probably do, actually. Our, our UX team probably tracks all of the above. But for us, this true trial rate, which we defined as seven days, seemed to be a really good, meaningful metric that we can rally around. I like it. Yeah. And yeah. So again, I think every team needs to find what is that meaningful metric that, that really matters. 
on that, is it just, is it just a sign-in, like seven, sign-in between seven days? Or is it more meaningful, like actually creating like a widget in Clifolio or... No, we so we track that as well. Uh, I think there is some definition. I think you're right. It's not just a simple sign in and bounce. So I think there's some minimal number of minutes of activity. Again, you have to define that precisely so you know what you're looking at. So I don't know exactly what the number is, but whatever it is, you need to understand that metric and what they're doing inside of that metric. Another one that I really like is you take a look at the top one. So the cohort 90 day logo retention. So this is when somebody actually signs up as a customer. We wanna really take a look at, well, are they really a valuable customer? Are they getting value? Or did they just wanna extend their trial? Or did they never really fail to launch? Or did they never really succeed in launching? So those things are really important to sort of track as well, because that has as much to do with making sure that your marketing is bringing in the right customers, as it has to do with the product UX and the product value, as it also has to do with you know, how they were onboarded or how, how they were sold. And you can see in this scenario here, we've got it segmented by what is our total, and then what is our direct logo retention, and then what is our partner logo retention. You can see by the cohort that the partners are way stickier than our direct customers. So, so that's interesting. And, and you can also see that there's some different gradients in different cohorts. So in September 2019, this company did something that you know, had people stick around more. Uh, whereas I'm looking at this now, maybe, maybe May or June, there was something in the product UX or something in the selling that didn't really resonate with people. So I think those kind of things are really important to look at as well from a product point of view, from a product value point of view. So again, segmenting and then looking at these data over time. And the more you can cohort, uh, especially if you've got an AV framework in, in place, the more you can cohort and follow those cohorts, the more you will learn about exactly what those customers are doing. All right, so let me pause on that one. Uh, I mean, there's other things as well. And, and if you dive into any of these teams, there's gonna be just another depth of metrics that each team are tracking. But certainly those top two, the trial engagement conversion, and then the 90-day conversion are, are some of my two favorites. So let's talk about marketing. And again, with marketing, just like with every other department, there really is a wide variety of metrics that you can be monitoring. So what I wanted to focus in on was really just, you know, what is the content team doing? What is the paid advertising team doing? And what is the web team doing? So we're looking at web traffic. We're looking at either marketing qualified leads or product qualified leads. So there's some kind of quality component there. And that's really important because if you focus on the quality leads, just like True Trial as well, you're going to make sure that you're bringing in the right people. Sales has a better job. You know, your, your net dollar retention is going to benefit. Your NPS is going to benefit. So it really starts at the top of the marketing funnel by making sure that we're we're really positioning and getting the right people in and then obviously conversion rates and marketing typically tracks uh, CAC as well so and this is almost too simplified so again like this company this fake company here but it's, it's actually a nice example so we're really sort of seeing a funnel that goes from triple w users so top web traffic and you want to make sure that that there's velocity there are you growing that every single month you know, how does that move over to trial conversion and trial conversion rate? You know, 
What does that mean as far as number of trial starts? So again, that is the lifeblood of any kind of growth-oriented SaaS company. How do you really bring in higher quality, you know, really targeted users and get value out of your product? So trial starts, probably more than web traffic, trial starts, the ones that actually saw something and were compelled and had intent to start a trial is, is a really, really important metric to be tracking. And is there any reason why you're not tracking like the cost per trial user? No, I think that's something that should be done as well. And I think our, our teams are probably tracking that as well. Cost per trial user, cost per user that has signed up. So, oh no, we are tracking a CAC per customer, but all of those, you know, like looking at any kind of return on marketing investment, I think is, is an important thing to sort of feed into this funnel as well. And marketing teams are looking at those metrics. But this is a really nice funnel because it really goes from you know, your web traffic through to trial starts, through to new wins. Mm-hmm. And it, it basically just it tells this story, right? And then it ends with, well, what is our CAC per customer? And let's make sure that you know, when we look at our LTV and look at the e- efficiency of that, that that's all within the right uh, scope. So end there with only one other sort of screen here. And that's, that's to say that there are so many metrics out there. And this is actually something that's really close to my heart. We started this a little while ago. It's called Metric HQ, where we're really trying to get a community together that can share what metrics matter and, and which ones are the most important metrics and basically learn from each other. So we're trying to build this up. Uh, it's something that's it's starting to take off, but I'd encourage you to have a look at this as well. There's a ton of marketing metrics, financial metrics, you know, that hopefully uh, you can learn from and uh, see what the calculation is. And again, maybe you can contribute your own thoughts to this as well. So this is something that is super close to my heart. I want to make sure that every company understands, you know, what metrics matter, you know, and how they can apply those. So that gives you a sense of, you know, high level, what departments are looking at what metrics and certainly what uh, I think uh, is important uh, for every team to be looking at inside of a product first company. Absolutely. And thanks again for walking us through each of those dashboards. I really liked at the beginning how you went through, there was, it wasn't a prism, but there was like those three main important things that anyone needs to think about whenever it comes to metrics. There was segments and the other one was monitor and measure, if I remember correctly. Well, let's uh, let's go Visualize. (laughs) (laughs) Totally butchered it. But as I was Yeah, going through your presentation, I just kept being reminded of the importance of segmenting because Mm. we can all look at these beautiful dashboards and everything, which is great. But when you can really dig in and segment, you're going to understand a lot more. It's huge, right? You know, averages lie. Looking at data in aggregate, you know, doesn't tell you the full story. So you really, really need to segment. And sometimes you need to just explore the data. I think there was one example there where we looked at the data by average MRR, by you know how many days it took to close. You know, so understanding like there's not just a single segment, but sort of do a pivot table on two different segments and see where there's some wins and where there's some problems. So I think that segment idea is so vitally important. And then also compare, compare with your past data, compare to others. And I'll tell you a funny story because people do sometimes get a little hung up on making sure that they've got exactly the right calculation. So, you know, they argue about, well, you know, should LTV include gross margin or not, or not you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that doesn't matter as much as being consistent. 
So even if you have an incorrect calculation, apply that calculation, that incorrect calculation consistently over time so that you can see if you're trending up or down. You know, obviously start with a correct calculation mm -hmm. if you can, but don't worry about that. Start monitoring and apply that over time so you can see what the trends are. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to walk us through this, Alan. And I know you referenced Metrics HQ, but is there any other places where people can find out about you and what you're up to? Sure. I mean, so I keep a blog. If you Google uh, founder blog, it'll usually show up somewhere in the first couple of results. If it doesn't, founder blog Alan or founder blog portfolio will do it. But it's certainly, you know, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Check out Metric HQ. Uh, I mean, this is something that, you know, I've, I've kind of dedicated my life to and I think is really important for companies. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We'll make sure people can uh, find those areas in the, the show notes too. That's great. Thank you both. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys.